your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Friday's edition of the Lockdown Raiders Podcast, August 27th, 2021. Your boy Q here with you as always, trying to close out the week really strong. Very excited, pumped up, fired up, whatever you want to say about today's show, man. Got a lot to get to. Don't have a lot of time to do it, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line. You know the number, 707-654-4693. That's coming up in segment number three. Segment number two, man, I'm just breaking down Gus Bradley's media session that he had on Thursday. I wasn't able to be at practice because they switched up the times and my responsibilities with being at the radio station. Just there was no way I was going to be able to be there. Uh, I had an interview that I had to record with the Arizona head football coach uh, at noon. So there was just no way I was able to get it done. But, uh, man, I'm telling you, if there was something I was disappointed that I wasn't a part of, that was Gus Bradley's media session for Thursday. I could honestly play the whole thing in its entirety. It was about 11 or 12 minutes, and I would have no problem. I wouldn't feel bad because it was very entertaining. He's very energetic. He can get you pumped up, fired up, want to make you run through a wall. But I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm just going to break down uh, the presser. I'm going to go ahead and let you hear some of the sound bites. I'm going to talk about them. But there was a lot to like about what Gus Bradley had to say. And it's not a lot to like just because he was saying that all the players are doing great and the defense is going to be awesome. It's just the way that Gus Bradley breaks it down. So that's coming up in segment number two. Here in segment number one, excited about that as well as we're doing the news and the notes of the day. And we're going to start off with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. I had him on my radio show on Radio Nation Radio 920 uh, on Thursday. He's on my regular guest at 2.30, and I've been talking about it every single day that I was going to talk about Cliff Branch and that I was going to ask him off top about Cliff being the senior finalist for the 2022 Pro Football Hall of Fame class. And I said once he got that nomination, it was just about a done deal. He was going to be rubber stamped and into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So that was going to be the first thing I talked to John McClain about, and please believe that was the first thing I talked to John McClain about. So my first question to him was, what does it mean for Cliff Branch being a senior finalist? That basically means that Cliff will be voted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. When you're nominated as the coach, as Tom Flores was last year, or a contributor, and or a senior, our committee, the 48-member voting committee, rubber stamps that selection. So for all intents and purposes, Cliff is in there. He'd come close a couple of times, and I'm really happy for Frank Cooney, who has represented the Raiders through the decades uh, with, uh, he's, with dignity and helped uh, get him in, get the Raiders in there. I was really happy for Tom Flores last year because he's long overdue. But Cliff Branch, because he's from Houston, and he grew up here, and he played at Colorado, and I'm, glad, I'm happy for him, his family, his friends not just in Raider Nation, but the ones who are back here in Houston. And I'm just sorry that he's not alive to share in it. And uh, But the way it is, there's a, there's a senior committee. Uh, I'm on the seniors committee and the coach committee. And and uh, and whoever we nominate, and we, we go over a list of finalists every year, and uh, then a group of five go to Canton and determine and debate which guy is the nominee, and that's Cliff Branch. So 
So he's as good as in. The night before the Super Bowl, uh, they will announce on the NFL Honor Show that Cliff Branch is a member of the class of 2022 Pro Football of Fame. So Raider Nation, go on and start making your, your plans. <laughs> Got to be in Canton, Ohio next year. Cliff Branch is going into the hall, and I know I'm going to get four or five tweets. I'm going to get a bunch of text messages. I'll even get calls that say, Q, they still got to vote. They still don't jump the gun. Don't jinx him. He's been there, done that. No, he is in. Done deal records. I'm telling you, I said this, and multiple people hit me up about Coach Flores, and I kept telling them, look, he's in. Don't worry yourself about the situation. Once he gets to this point, he is in. And so there it is right there from the horse's mouth. John McClain is part of the committee. Just let you know, all it is is a matter of rubber stamping at this point, and then the great Cliff Branch, the late great Cliff Branch, will be in the hall. So my next question to John was, well, what changed this year as opposed to last year or the year before or any of the other times that Cliff Branch didn't get in? It's never that somebody doesn't deserve it. If you look at the candidates, queue, it is hard. It is hard to, to select finalists. It's hard to select the people to go in because there's just so many who are deserving. And I'm sure, I know I've told you this, and I'm sure I've told you this since you moved to Las Vegas, but uh, it's worth telling the story again because you have so many Raider fans who are listening. And I can't remember. It was about five years before Al Davis died. And Al and I used to talk, and the only reason he liked to talk to me is I was a kid, and I watched the AFL and because it was so much more exciting than the NFL. Wake Up, Texas, I was nine years old when uh, Cowboys and Oilers came into the NFL and AFL, and the AFL threw the ball all over the place, Plus, and the Cowboys were awful, and Houston won the first two AFL championships, and they beat the Chargers, and Al was on those stats with Sid Kilman. So I could talk about the old days of the AFL, and he liked that. And so about five years before Al died, I asked him one time at an NFL meeting, what Raider, tell me one Raider, who is the most deserving of being in the Pro Football of Faith. So this would have been 10, 12 years ago, and there have been some Raiders to go in since. And I have to admit, Q, I was looking for Lester Hayes, another Houston native, because mm-hmm. Lester had been a finalist several times, but he just couldn't get over the hump. And so I thought he would tell me Lester Hayes, and I would go back to the committee and say, hey, here's what Al Davis said. And instead, he immediately said Cliff Branch. And I said, why? And he explained how Cliff helped dictate some Raiders game plans with his great speed and being a great receiver and route runner. And also, he had such an impact on defenses, and he just got up there like he was showing. When he went over it, it was like he was on the field coaching uh, Cliff when he was getting off the line of scrimmage, except it was real slow motion. <laughs> but it was so impressive, and I told him, I said, I'm going to take this back to the committees. And he said, I hope you do. And so I have. Every time that we've met, I've told him what Al Davis said about that. And I'm glad that uh, I wish Al was still around to see it, just like Cliff, but uh, because he would be so happy for Cliff Branch. So there it is right there. John McClain giving a little bit of explanation of what took so long for Cliff Branch. And uh, again, like he said earlier in the first little uh, soundbite, you know, sorry that Cliff Branch is not around uh, to be able to smell the roses, but at least his family will be there. And so it's funny, man, on, on Raider Nation Radio 920, of course, we're here in Las Vegas. And part of our duty is to kind of teach some of the newer fans of the Raiders, 
you know, the history of the Raiders. And a lot of times we take it for granted as I take it for granted because I've been a Raider fan my whole life. So I just, I kind of know the ins and outs. I know what uh, Al Davis was all about. I know what the Raiders are all about. But a lot of times it's about educating new fans to Al Davis. So I thought, you know what? John McClain has spent so much time, as you heard that story, when uh, he was talking about Al Davis and Cliff Branch and how Al Davis was kind of breaking down how Cliff changed the game. So I just asked him, my very next question, my final question about the Raiders, I asked him straight up. Give me an Al Davis story. What did Al Davis mean to the NFL? Here's some greatness right here from John McClain. Al started off as a coach, and he had a great respect for the game. He worked for Sid Gilman, loved Sid Gilman. Nobody could tell Al Davis what to do except Sid Gilman. One time, I think it was in 1999, when the Browns came back, and while we were in Cleveland for the induction ceremony, they had a big party at Cleveland's new stadium on Lake Erie. And so they bust people down there, Hall of Famers, their families, people on the committees, whatever owners wanted to go. And one of the funniest things I have ever seen was when people were lined up in the concourse to get into the stadium level, to get into the club level, to have the party. I was walking by, and I see all these Hall of Famers lined up. And Sid, I believe, was in a wheelchair, and I believe they had him on a golf cart, if I remember correctly. And Al Davis had come by and was trying to talk to him. So instead of looking down at Sid to talk to him, Al got on one knee so he could be about eye level with Sid Gilman. And you never saw Al Davis on his knee to anybody. And that's how much respect he had for Sid Gilman. And he wasn't the only one that was doing that. Sid was the head coach and general manager of the Oilers before I got here and turned around this franchise. And Al had great respect for him. Sid always got a lot of uh, credit for being a, if you want to know something about the passing game of quarterbacks, right up until he died, he had tapes sent to him so he could watch performances. And Al loved Sid Gilman, and Sid gave him his choice, gave him his opportunity to be in the NFL. And then when Al was named commissioner of the American Football League and had to go to New York, his PR guy was Mickey Herskowitz, a longtime columnist for the Houston Post and the Houston Chronicle, who covered the American Football League, and they hit it off. And so Al brought Mickey as his PR guy. And then when he had the merger, which Al Davis played a huge role in. Because uh, Al wanted to go to war. Uh, Lamar Hunt, who co-founded the American Football League with Oilers owner Bud Adams, Lamar was the ringleader of the owners, but he wanted to take a more peaceful approach. And Al wanted to go to war. Bud went on Al's side. They wanted to sign NFL veteran free agents, not just compete for the draft choices. And there was a meeting where Lamar Hunt, he was on one side of the table, and I was on the other, and he said, people who agree with me, this is how we're going to do it. We're not signing their free agents, just competing for rookies. Sit on my side. And if you want to go after their veterans, sit on our side. The only one that did was Bud Adams. But that helped. That got back to Tex Schramm, the Cowboys owner, who was, I mean, general manager, who was heavily involved in the negotiations for a merger. And he told them, they're coming after our veterans. And that's one thing that precipitated the merger. And so Al played a big part in that. So he was an assistant coach. Nobody ever really knew what the hell a managing general partner was 
It's something he picked, and nobody else in history has had that title, but he was a czar who ran the Raiders, and then he went off to be the commissioner, and he came back. And some people thought Al was very bitter that Pete Rozelle was the commissioner over the National Football League after the merger instead of him. But had they had he been, you know, the Raiders wouldn't have won all the Super Bowls they had because he was the architect. And the fact that he was a great personnel man, I had some players and coaches said a, a coach might be teaching personnel, say to an offensive lineman, and Al Davis would be sitting over on a golf cart, and Al would see something he didn't like, and he would jump up and run over there and he might coach that guy a little different technique, and they always knew Al's technique superseded anything a coach said because he was a coach right until the end, and he was usually sat in the press box queue, and he would get mad, and he would throw fits, and everybody knew you didn't talk to Al Davis during a game when he was upset. Telling you, while John was telling that story on the radio on uh, on Thursday, I was looking at Demond, who's the producer. Demond Cotton, he does a great job for me. Uh, and I'm looking at his eyes, and he's a new booty. He's a youngster, man. He's only like 24 years old. His eyes just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and couldn't believe that John was telling this story about Al. And he was like, "Man, after we hung up with with John, he said, man, you should ask him a couple more questions about Al.' I said, "Hey, man, look, this was just one day. We got all the time in the world. He joins us every single Thursday at 2:30 Pacific Standard Time. So I thought that was a lot of good stuff." Hopefully you enjoyed that as well. I got one more little, uh, not a soundbite, but a piece of news uh, for you in segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Stefan Wisniewski, a former Raider draft pick, offensive lineman. Of course, he's the nephew of Stephen Wisniewski, uh, the great Raider offensive lineman, two-time Super Bowl champ. He retired after 10 years in the NFL on Thursday. He's going to become a pastor. He played with the Eagles, Chiefs, Raiders, and Jaguars. He made it official like a referee's whistle on Thursday that he was retiring from the league. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast kind of news and notes of the day really it was just all about cliff branch and the and the raiders and, and what john mcclain had to say on thursday which i thought was a lot of good stuff coming up in segment number two you're going to hear from gus bradley defensive coordinator for the raiders his media session breakdown lots of good stuff you're going to hear that next before you get into that though i do want to tell you about built bar and uh, all the great taste and flavors that they have and uh, if you've been under a rock then you don't know i've been talking about built bar for a long time but they're a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and they have great flavors like coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. How about this one? Raspberry cheesecake. I tell you all the time, hey, look on the website for the new flavor or the flavor that's available on a limited time only. Raspberry cheesecake is available right now. Go to the website and get it. BuiltBar.com, limited time only. While supplies last is exactly what it says. You got to go to the website and get it. Raspberry cheesecake is available right now. So if that's your flavor, boom, got to go get it. If not, go get one of the other nine flavors that are available or go get a mix box that'll give you two of each of the flavors. Uh, of course, they're a great taste of protein bar, like I mentioned, 100% covered in chocolate. And the best thing about it is it's good for you. So you can have a bar that tastes like a candy bar. Maybe you need that snack while you're working late at night, but it's not bad for you. It's good for you. That's the beautiful thing about Built Bar. So BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 is going to save you 15% off your order when you check out. Again, LOCK15 at BuiltBar.com. Segment number two, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to break down Gus Bradley, defensive coordinator for the Raiders, his media session on Thursday. I'm telling you, man, this dude had me fired up just listening to it. And it was about 11 to 12 minutes. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I easily could. I'm telling you, there was so much good stuff. If you get an opportunity to talk to or listen to Gus Bradley talk, you definitely have to do it. I mean, really, it's it's something that it'll give you it'll give you some confidence in, in what you're looking at and what you think you're looking at, but then it'll also kind of tell you the real deal on some of these players and, and where he sees some of these guys at uh, right now. So uh, let's just go ahead and get into a few of the sound bites. I'm not going to be able to play them all. If you want to go and listen to it, check out Raiders.com. Uh, you can check out their YouTube page as well. You can listen to the whole thing in its entirety. Also, uh, offensive coordinator Greg Olson, he met with the media and so did linebacker Divine Diablo. But this is all about Gus Bradley. So on top, everyone wants to know about the defense. How's the defense looking? How is it feeling? So here's Gus Bradley on talking about what he thinks of the defense currently. Well, uh, you know, that, that joint practice was very good for us. It kind of gave us a little bit better idea. Uh, you know, right now we're just trying to create a lot of depth, uh, especially at the linebacker position. You've seen the guys play a lot of positions. I give credit to Coach Smith. He's always had that philosophy, the more you can do in there, and we've had to use that. So, yeah, I mean, you get a chance to look at a lot of these second and third type guys and see who can help us and how we can create more depth. So there he is right there talking about depth. You know, that's what they're trying to create. That's something he's been talking about ever since he became the defensive coordinator for the Raiders is they need to come in waves and uh, especially talking about the defensive line but you heard him talk about the linebackers we all know about the trade that the Raiders made on Thursday well on Wednesday night but uh, became official like a referee's whistle on Thursday Uh, Denzel Perriman he comes over now he played for Gus Bradley for six years with the Chargers so uh, what is his thoughts on Denzel Perriman what does he bring to the table you know Denzel we have a a lot of history with him just from our time back with the Chargers so he's he's a very good leader, very good pro. Uh, you know, he brings some explosiveness to us. He's, uh, he's got very good instincts. He understands the package and what is asked of him. So, you know, we just need to create some more depth there. And, uh, you know, because of some of the situations we've been in. So, you know, healthy and, you know, come back in and, and able to play, he'll be a good addition. I think he'll fit in well with that group, too. So the key with Denzel Perriman is he's got to be healthy. You know, he's 28 years old, which is not too old, but his just health history has not been there. So if he's healthy, then he's a hell of an addition. I mean, he's a really good linebacker. I don't want to, you know, take anything from him. Again, he's a really good linebacker. The problem is he just hasn't been healthy all the time, and that's really what the Raiders need. That's why they're in the situation that they're in right now is because, one, they don't have the depth, and they have some guys that all of a sudden – got banged up. And that one guy, one of the main guys, was Nicholas Morrow. So uh, Gus Bradley was asked how things have changed now that Morrow's going to be out for a while. I mean, right now we're looking for who's that guy that's going to take charge. You know, obviously Nick Kotowski is a, a good player for us, and we feel good about him, but who's that next guy? And, um, you know, that, that's what we're looking at now, and you're seeing a lot of mixing and matching. You know, Asmir Belize was an outside linebacker. We moved him inside. Tanner was an outside linebacker. We moved him inside. So we're trying to get these guys where you can create more depth, especially at a position like that. So three quotes in, three times you've heard him mention depth. And again, that's just something I can't emphasize enough. The Raiders just don't have it. But a great question posed by Gus Bradley. Who's going to be the next guy? Nicholas Morrow was supposed to be the dude. Who can be the next guy? Uh, I've been talking about K.J. Wright. A lot of Raider Nation has been talking about K.J. Wright. I don't think just because they brought in Denzel Perryman that that's the last move that they're going to make. I don't know if they're going to go get K.J. Wright. I don't know if they're going to make a trade for someone or they're going to try to scour the waiver wire once everyone gets cut on Tuesday at 1 o'clock. 
Pacific Standard Time. I don't know, but I do not believe that that's the last move because I don't think that Perryman is going to be the end-all, be-all. Uh, he also mentioned just, you know, guys and coming in waves and depth and who can step up and who can play this role. Well, how about Cleve Furl? This is a big year for him, man. He's going into year three, right? Uh, Gus Bradley was asked straight up. I believe Vinny Bonsignor asked the question, hey, is Cleve Farrell, is he, is he running with the twos? Is that who he is? Yeah. You know, I think, uh, like I mentioned when we first met, about you can never have enough rushers. So we're trying to develop that second-tier rush group. You know, the guys that can come in and keep the first group fresh and how to make it to where, you know, they all have a role and they all feel like they have, they're a part of it. So that's what we're trying to develop now and seeing, all right, what's the best matchup? Who's the, you know, who's that second group that's going to come in and provide that rush that we need? So that's who Cleef Earl is. You know, according to Gus Bradley, Rob Marinelli and Katz, they are, you know, looking at him as a second tier guy he's one of those guys that'll come in and keep the the first line of defense fresh so uh that's you have to look at that and you have to be honest with yourself and say that wasn't a good pick it, it honestly wasn't you didn't pick a guy at number four to run with the twos you just didn't and I've tried to give Cleef Earl the benefit of the doubt I know that there's some things he does really well uh he's really good against the run uh he hasn't been consistently on the field all the time like I think he needs to be but Try to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, you know, they've got a good plan for him. But right now, the best plan for him is running with the twos. So that, like I said, is is not a good pick. But with that being said, he does have a, a void he could fill. There's different things he could do. He is very versatile. So Gus Bradley was asked about the different roles that Cleef Farrell could fill. Well, Cleef's a little bit unique for us because he can rush outside and inside. And again, you know, when you're a tackling, you're going, okay, I got to prepare for Max. Okay, now I got to prepare for Yank. Now I got to prepare for Cleek. Now Carl. You know, if you can get that first and two groups, it's just a lot of preparation for a tackle. They can't just hone in on one guy, and they all have different styles. So, you know, we're hoping that's beneficial for us. So that'll be the best thing for Clee, man. If he can continue to just be that versatile piece, go outside, go inside, just wherever the Raiders need him, he's able to fill that void. He's got to be able to do that, and he's got to be able to stay healthy. That'll be some of the biggest keys for this year for success for Cleve Farrell. So got a couple more little sound bites that I want you to hear. How about some younger dudes? How about Amik Robertson? We talked a lot about Nate Haas, but how about Amik Robertson? He's a guy who looks like he's doing pretty well on the outside. John Gruden said he's definitely comfortable on the outside as opposed to what he tried to do at the nickel position. But Gus Bradley actually sounds like he likes his versatility and how he could play outside and inside. Here's Gus Bradley talking about Amik Robertson. I've been impressed with him now. We played uh, you know, some man coverage last week just to see his skill set. He did a good job as a nickel. He did, you know, had an opportunity for a pick on the perimeter. So I, you know, I think with these guys, you're, you're hoping that they play things enough that they start to feel comfortable and they can sh- utilize their skill set and show us their skill set. So the way he's you know done some things on the inside, we feel like it's getting more consistent. And then on the outside, I think he's getting more comfortable with the techniques. So there's Gus Bradley talking all things to Meek Robertson, and that's a good review. Sounds like Meek Robertson has a nice role. Sounds like Gus Bradley likes what he sees, and I definitely think you'll see him used on the outside this season as opposed to trying to slide into the slot now. You know, just in case of emergency break glass, he can do that. But I think that Nate Hobbs really got that position locked down. I'm excited to see what he does there. And I just got a couple more little sound bites for you. How about Damon Arnett? That's another guy that's, uh, you know, going into year number two. And it seems like this is such a huge year for him, right? Casey Hayward's there in front of him. Trayvon Mullins there on the outside as well. Just talked about Amik Robertson. So where does Damon Arnett fit in? A guy who actually had a pretty good day of practice, for, uh, according to all reports, on Thursday. So what is Gus Bradley's thoughts on 
Damon Arnett. I, I think for him, it's the consistency as well. You're right. He did have a good day today. We kind of, you know, try to showcase him a little bit. You know, that's Coach Gruen's philosophy is try to attack different guys somewhat in practice and, and just see where their maturity level is. Can you get them back to back? So, you know, we're cautiously optimistic on him because I think he's, he's starting to feel more and more comfortable what is asked of him. So he's always had the skill set. You know, the speed, the, the quickness, the agility, the ball skills. So just getting him to have more and more confidence on the perimeter is important. I would love to see Damon Arnett get a lot of burn on Sunday. I really would. I think he needs it. He hasn't shown that he can stay healthy. He wasn't available for the Rams game last Saturday. Can he be available against the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday? That is a big question. That would be huge if he could. And just go out there and showcase a little something, something especially since San Francisco, it's already reported, is going to play some starters. You know, so, and, and I think that there's going to be uh, some starters out there for a minute. I think Jimmy G and Trey Lance are going to get a heavy dose of them. It'd be great to see Damon Arnett get a little bit of burn out there. But we'll see what he does. Uh, he really needs to step up. I think there's a lot of young talent around him, a lot of really good young talent around him, and if he doesn't look up and, and start performing quick, fast, and in a hurry, he may be on the outside looking in sooner rather than later. How about Mad Max Crosby? Been talking about him the last few days. Been talking about how fast he looks. Uh, I wasn't there on Thursday to ask this question, but uh, he was asked. I think Paul Gutierrez might have asked uh, Gus Bradley about Max Crosby and what he's been seeing from him so far in camp and preseason this year. Well, Max is a different style of pass uh, rusher. You know what? And it's it's great for me because you know talking to Coach Marinelli, Coach. Travis Smith, you know, you get a feel for him. But then also asking our tackles, you know, what's the difference between going against a guy like Yannick and, and a Max and a Carl? And, you know, they, there's definitely different styles. I think that maybe at times Max is unorthodox, so they never quite know how he's going to rush, and that creates a strain on him. So he, he's, uh, he's leaner, he's faster. Um, you know, so all those traits he has. And that's exactly what I've been seeing. Leaner, faster, Max Crosby, year three. I think he's going to be a problem. Him and Unique Ngakwe, I think they're going to be problems as far as pass rush for opposing teams. I think they're really going to get after the quarterback this year. Now, I could be drinking the Kool-Aid. That's fine. I'll come back later and say, hey, I fell for the banana in the tailpipe. I don't think so. I just think that we're seeing some really good things, at least in, in camp and in practice from Max Crosby, and I do believe it's going to translate to the field. Now, my final uh, soundbite that I want you to hear is almost one of those uh, mic drop moments for defensive coordinator Gus Bradley, he was asked about tackling, and we all remember that. 2020, tackling was terrible. A lot of missed tackles by the Raiders. I remember one time Paul Gunther said, well, we don't really practice tackling, and it blew my mind when he said that they don't practice tackling. So uh, Gus Bradley was asked about that, you know, asked how much they practice tackling and how much that they really want to focus in on that. How does he know it's going to improve from what it was a year ago? Well, I would say this with our package. It's not, you know, it's not a package that has – 30 different coverages, 30 different pressures, all new each week. You know, we're trying to do a lot of the same things over and over again. And with that, it really gives us time to do a lot of work on fundamentals. So every day there's tackling involved in it. And we can have time to do that. Each position groups make time for that. So, I mean, the different leverage tacklings, we communicate on tackles, where the leverage is coming from. So it's been a big emphasis, and we're seeing it cleaner and cleaner. Now, our first group really hasn't, you know, gotten an opportunity to 
to do it live other than the joint practice. So, but we're seeing enough of it in practice where we're seeing our leverage improve. Now, I said that was a mic drop moment because uh, that was a direct shot at Paul Gunther. That was a direct shot at having all the different uh, game plans, 30 different, you know, uh, calls and 30 different things to do the same thing and just kind of confusing the players and making it uh, something so they're out there slow. That was all a direct shot at what Paul Gunther was doing with the defense the last couple of years. And so uh, that was that was kind of cool. That's why I saved that one for last. So there you go, Gus Bradley. You want to hear the whole thing, Raiders.com, Raiders YouTube, you can. Great stuff. It will get you fired up. It will get you ready to run through a wall. Also, offensive coordinator Greg Olson spoke with the media, and then linebacker Divine Diablo spoke with the media as well. And coming up today, I'm trying to remember, John Gruden's going to meet with the media. Today we only get to watch practice from 11 to 11.30, and that's only the stretching period and individual periods, and that's it. And then we have to go back to the media room and wait till 12.30 when John Gruden meets with us, and uh, I think I'll be there for that. The whole practice session is kind of switching up, and the way that we're able to, to view things is changing up uh, for rarely the rest of the season. So it is what it is. John Gruden will be speaking with the media to close the week out before they head to Santa Clara and play the 49ers on Sunday. So that's all I got for you for uh, segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up with segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4693. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about betonline.ag because it is that time of year again. All eyes are on football. I'm talking pro football. I'm talking college football. It does not matter. High school football. All eyes are on football. But for pro and college, you can get all the updated odds, props, contests at betonline.ag. They got the half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest at betonline.ag. Head on over to the website right now using your mobile device or your laptop. Sign up today to receive a 100% welcome bonus. That's right, 100% welcome bonus that means you drop five hundred dollars in you're gonna get five hundred dollars on top of that to play with but you got to use the promo code locked on so do it right now Uh, make sure you take advantage of their opening day super promo that means you make a bet on thursday september 9th that's when the buccaneers and the cowboys play if you lose your wager will be refunded up to $25 betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports uh football boxing horse racing baseball of course ufc of course all, everything has got you covered at betonline.ag they are your online sportsbook experts segment number three it's on the way your locked on raiders your daily podcast on the las vegas raiders part of the locked on podcast network your team every day here we go raider nation segment number three of today's locked on raiders podcast your time to shine your calls and texts straight off that locked on raider podcast voicemail line you know the number 707-654-4693 let's get into a text from riverview raider he hit us up and said q what's up it's the riverview raider first ballot hofer Stafford had Megatron for the first seven years of his career. Who did Carr have? Amari Cooper? Dude showed up for half the games that got punked out of the other half. Both of them grew up poor in the NFL, but Stafford always had that shiny toy. Anyways, KJ Wright, how much money does this dude want, and why is he not on a team? Seems like a deal we always get screwed on. Keep it up, Q. Riverview Raider. And, yeah, we've gone back and forth on the Stafford, Megatron, Carr, Cooper, Crabtree situation. And, uh, again, man, I just I get upset for Derek Carr because I feel like all the excuses are always built in for Matt Stafford, and they're not uh, given, you know, they're not valid when it comes to Derek Carr. And I'm not even the guy who gets on a soapbox and cuts for Derek Carr like that. I think there's a lot of things he could do better, but I do think there's some good, there's things he does well. 
You know, I mean, I just I just don't like it when uh, the, the playing field is not the same for everybody. And Stafford, in my opinion, is not the golden child that he's meant to or he's he's made out to be. So thank you so much for that. KJ Wright, uh, I think that there's a possibility that could still happen. Uh, but I don't think uh, at the end of the day, I don't think the Raiders are done making moves. I don't think Denzel Perryman is the move to get them over the top. Uh, next up, got a call from my guy, Raider Dot, out the 510. He's calling to ask me a question about the Raiders' defense and offense and how close they really are. This comes from Thursday's show. Here he goes, Raider Dot. What's going on, Q? This is Raider Dot calling in, listening to the radio show early morning on Thursday. My question to you is, I'm listening to you uh, as far as regarding uh, making a strong push for KJ Wright or any other difference maker that can make a splash um how do you know our defense is good enough well we haven't even seen them in the preseason we we've only seen Trayvon Merrick and a couple of others starting on the defense how do you know what are you going off of practice this goes back to my call the other day we honestly don't even know what we got the words is Assuming the offense is going to be the same, but executing at a higher level, and we're in the dark as far as we we're in the dark as far as the defense. And secondly, I'm with you as far as just making a push on someone like KJ Wright or some other difference maker. My thing is we're 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 not going to do that, you know, <laughs> like. That's not how the Raiders operate. We don't operate with signing splashes, big-time splashes. We That's not in our DNA. So I I wouldn't even waste no energy on that one, Q, if I was you. But, yeah, my question is, how? like, how do you know? How does anybody know other than the team? Like, we're, like we're, we're going into week one just assuming – like, we don't know what we're going to see. Like, I'm like, that's why I'm like, we're in the dark as far as players playing. But serious question, though. Like, how, like, how do you know that? Or what can make you say that? Holla at your boy. There he goes. That's Raider Dot. And that's a good question, my man. And honestly... I'm just rolling with my gut feeling. It's kind of what I roll with all the time. And, I mean, I, I've been out there at practice. I've been there at the games. And it just looks different. And everyone to a T that I've talked to, from Vinny Bonsignor to Vic Tafer to Deshaun Reed to, I mean, all these cats, Paul Gutierrez, everyone who's out there on the daily, everyone I ask, does this team just seem different? Has a little bit different something to it. Everyone to a T has said yes. Even Marcel Aitman, who turned around and got released on uh, on one Tuesday when they cut it down to 80 men, I asked him after the game on Saturday, I said, man, does this team just feel different? He even said yes. It's just it's a different feel about this team. Now, that I mean, different feel don't mean that they're going to go out there and win, but, I mean, you asked the question, you know, how do you know it's, it's different? How do you know that they're close? If not now, when? I mean, this is year four under John Gruden. You think he don't want to get to the promised land? You don't think he wants to get to the playoffs and have an opportunity? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have a shot to make a run, why not let it be now? Why not believe that it's right now? Go make a move to help get you over the top and get you where you need to be. How about you believe in yourself? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the team. Believe in yourself and go get it done. I feel like it's different. Of course, they've got to go do it, like you said, on the field. So thank you for that call, man. I do appreciate you. Great question. Uh, next up is a text from Raider Bax. 
says, yo, Q, quick question. I keep watching the press conferences, and Vinny always asks the first question, like always. Does he have dibs, or is there just a pecking order, or does he have more respect from his other colleagues? That's from Raider Bax. And it's funny, I talk about that all the time. Vinny always goes first, and it's almost immediately as soon as, like, John Gruden gets up there, or Gus Bradley, or any player, it's like all of a sudden Vinny just says, hey, Hey, John, so our coach, you know, he, Vinny just jumps in there quick, fast, in a hurry. He's ready to rock and roll. It's so funny. I see, I feel like every time there is a media session, wherever I've been at in my career, there's always one guy who's almost grandfathered into it. He, he's going to ask the first question. Uh, when I was in Central Texas, there was this guy named John Warner. He had been around forever. Uh, here, I feel like it's Vinny Bonsignor. So there you go to answer that question. Next up, got a call from my guy, Chan. He's calling out of Cincinnati, Ohio, calling to speak on KJ Wright and what he thinks about him. Here he is, Chan, calling from Cincinnati. Yo, what up, Q? It's your boy, Chan. Calling out of Cincinnati, Ohio, over the road truck driver. I listen to your podcast just about every day, man, whenever I can get an opportunity. Just wanted to say that I love the nation. I love our team. Hopefully we can make one more move after the um, Perryman trade. We could be competitive this season and actually make a playoff push. Um, but I definitely wanted to let you know I agree with you on the KJ Wright move. I feel like they want to do it. They want to get it done, and they will. They know what they had to do. They probably had to cut, you know, you know, some, cut some uh, players to make it happen. But hopefully they can. Not gonna take too much time. Definitely a new booty, as you would say. I appreciate it. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to call. There he goes, Chan in Cincinnati, Ohio. New booty here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Thank you for the call, my man. And I think they should absolutely make that move for KJ Wright. No doubt about it. You know, maybe they wait till cut downs. Maybe they wait till the preseason's officially over. But I've been saying it multiple times. I feel like they got at least one more nice move in their eyesight. I don't believe that they're just going to rest on what they have and think Denzel Perryman is going to get them uh, over the hump or be the bridge guy until Nicholas Morrow comes back. I, I just... I don't see that, but again, that's just me. So thank you for that call, my man. Appreciate you. Make sure you uh, hit us up again. Uh, next up, I got a text from California Dave in West Tennessee, and I just got a couple more left. Q Nation, California Dave here. I was listening to Vinny B the other night, and Paul Gutierrez made a great observation about how in year four with Carr, Mack, and Jackson, the Raiders went to the playoffs and how it became their team. And now that's what he's seeing in this year's squad with JJ and Clee and Crosby, how this team has taken over their persona. Would love to hear your thoughts on this and how this year's team does seem different. Peace out. There's California Dave in West Tennessee. And that's the thing. That's the 2019 class that you're talking about. Uh, you're talking about uh, Josh Jacobs. You're talking about Cleve Furrow. You're talking about Max Crosby. You're talking about Trayvon Mullen. You're talking about Hunter Renfro. Uh, you know, you, those are the guys. That 2019 draft class, it is now their class. And they've mentioned it. Josh Jacobs has mentioned it. Hey, we are leaders now. We are leaders of this team. This is our team. Uh, everyone goes as we go. Jonathan Abram, he's part of that as well. Now, he's got to step up. Cleve's got to step up. But, you know, for the most part, again, that 2019 draft class, yeah, it is all them. They are, the, they are the ones. They are the dudes that have got to lead this, this team into the promised land. And when I say that, I mean getting to the playoffs. And, yeah, that's just – it makes a lot of sense. And, and now is the time. And like I said before, if not now, then when? What, what, are, what are the Raiders doing? You know, it's like if I'm the Raiders, I'm looking in the mirror like, what are we doing? If we're not trying to get to the playoffs yet now, what are we doing? That's how I'm looking at it. So 
Thank you for that text, my man. I definitely appreciate you. And one more to close out the show, a text from Nick in the OC says, Hey, Q, I was very pumped up about this season and saw our linebacker injuries. It's very simple. We can't win without three quality linebackers. We have one in Littleton now. Agree with you. We need KJ Wright or somebody that ain't bringing us back to the old loser Charger teams. Morrow had been one of my favorite players during the last few years, so no excuses. And also, we need to get to win at least so no excuses. And also, agree, we need to win at least 10 games. That's from Nick in the OC. Thank you so much for that text. I appreciate you. And I'll say this. To make it to the playoffs, you probably need to win 12. That's what I think. The Raiders need to win 12 if they're going to try to make it to the playoffs. 11 to 12 maybe gives you a really good shot at getting into the playoffs. 10, I don't think it's going to do it. 10 didn't even get Miami into the playoffs last year in a 16-game season. So we'll see how it shakes out. You know, th- crazier things have happened, but I think to be realistically, uh, have an opportunity to get to the playoffs, you're aiming at 12. I also, again, think K.J. Wright makes a lot of sense. I don't know how long Nicholas Morrow is going to be out, but it seems like a while. Javon White's going to be back before him. I just think that they need some solid dudes. Denzel Perryman, nice. But I think they really need some solid dudes, somebody who could be a difference maker. They got to go out and make that move as far as I'm concerned. So good text. I do appreciate it. That's all I got for you for today's show. That's all I got for you for the rest of the week. So Raider Nation, uh, have a great weekend. I'm actually, uh, after the radio show today, we're going to be at the TI, the Golden Circle Sportsbook in Las Vegas. That's Treasure Island. I'm excited about that. Uh, Myself and Vinny Bonsignor, we're going to tag team a show from 2 to 4.50. After that, I'm going to catch a a flight out of McCarran Airport and uh, head to Santa Clara, head to the yay area, and get ready for uh, the Raiders and the 49ers on Sunday at 1 o'clock, then fly back to Vegas and be ready to rock and roll for another week. So uh, if you're going out to the game man enjoy the game if you're gonna stay home and just watch the game uh, have a great weekend no matter what you do stay safe and uh, make sure you take care of your family and most importantly as always just win baby